This is Diane Godfrey. This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. If you need legal representation, please consult an attorney. I do not have a law degree. Over the years, many people have contacted me seeking legal advice. I am flattered they elevated me to having a JD, which is a law degree, but I am not qualified to dispense any legal advice. This is All Rise with Diane Godfrey. True stories from inside the courthouse, from the lady who wrote everything down. This is Jordan Rich reminding you to all rise. So, Diane, today we're joined by a very special guest, your sister, Lauren, who's checking in from Phoenix, Arizona. And I guess you share a lot of things with a sister, and you shared some stories with her. Is that right? Yes. Well, we're going to share them with the audience. Hi, Lauren. How you doing? Nice to meet you. And uh, your sister's got a, a pretty interesting gig, as you probably know. I do. I do. And if we're, I'm hoping we'll get to some of the wild and weird stuff that she's told us over the years. Well, if you don't mind sharing, uh, what would be an example, Lauren, of a story? Just give us a, a name or a, a one word or two words to indicate what story it is. There was a crazy thing she was telling me about a woman who fell over a guardrail into a pit. Diane, do you remember that one you were telling me the other day? <laughs> that happened a long time ago. And what, what crazy things you remember, I wasn't there for the first day when they picked the jury. But when I got to work the next day, the court officer said, hey, come here. I said, what? They said, where do you get a load of this girl that's suing? I said, why? They said, she shows up in shorts and she's got the, a tattoo from the, she wore shorts into the courtroom. She had a tattoo from the top of her hip to her ankle bone, and it's a woman's face. And this was a long time ago. This was before everyone was getting tattoos. So that was my introduction. So lo and behold, she shows up. She was suing the Commonwealth of Massachusetts because she had fallen over a guardrail way, way out in Western Mass, a real rural part of the state. She had been with her friend to a Lollapalooza concert (laughs) up in Vermont. And they must have imbibed i don't know but they were driving home and she had to go to the bathroom now they're at this point they're in massachusetts and i know by trade she was a taxi driver she pulls into this rest area but it was one of the ones that didn't have toilets so she decides she's going to go over the guardrail and go to the bathroom in the woods now it's pitch blackout her friend is is passed out in the car he's passed out So she steps over the guardrail. Unbeknown to her, there was a complete drop. Mm. She fell over 20 feet and landed on her back in water, in like three inches of water. And she couldn't move. And she was really hurt. She did recover, but she she had broken bones and this and that. She began to moan. So there she is, lying on her back. And two kids, they were about 18 or 19, They had pitched a tent for the night about a quarter of a mile away, and they kept hearing the moan. And finally, one kid said to the other kid, I think that's a human voice. So they got their flashlights, and they made their way through the woods, and lo and behold, they come upon her. And I guess she was a really big woman. I remember she was big, but they were saying she was so heavy, they had to yank her up. First of all, she said, I have someone in the car. So they made their way up the embankment and they were banging on this door. And finally the guy wakes up, but he's like three sheets to the wind. But the three of them go down and they pull her up and they get her into the car. 
This is before cell phones, mind you. So he drives her to the hospital, and I forget her injuries, but they were extensive. And she she ended up winning the case, and she won a lot of money. It was I couldn't believe she won. And to me, a God reel is there for a reason. I think it just says, don't go beyond this point. You know, like, but she said that she was put at her own peril because hmm. of the, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't know what the jury thought, but she got a lot of money. She got like $60,000. Probably enough to get another tattoo on the other leg. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> you can't save idiots from themselves, no matter how hard you try. Wow. You just can't do it. So yeah. That was a great. I never thought they'd come back with a nickel for her. But they did. Sometimes you never know what ruling the court's going to have until it has. Now, uh, there's one called the thumb. That's all I know. And it's not related to hitchhiking. (laughs) What is the thumb story? That one was odd, too. It was a young woman. I would say she was in her 30s. And she came into the courtroom and she was suing this well-known establishment in Brighton. She had been, I think she was from out of state. And she had come up for the BC football game with a bunch of people for the day. And it was a Saturday afternoon and they went into this place for lunch and they, you know, they all sit down and she sat on the chair and she was morbidly obese. She went to pull her chair in and as she did, she pulled the chair in and sat down, but her thumb got caught in the chair and she sat on it and she lost the tip of her thumb. So she was suing the bar, you know, the restaurant because she contended that it was a chair that was not in good condition. And, you know, she got money. <laughs> Sounds like a painful not- way, doesn't it, Lauren, to get money? But you know, that one I can, I can sympathize with more because she wasn't doing anything that she should not have been doing. And there was a reasonable expectation that a chair is not going to take part of your thumb off. So that one, that one I can see. That's but- not the McDonald's coffee between the legs thing. <laughs> That's not that one. Diane? But the defense lawyer was kind of pointing to, hey, if you weren't so heavy, it wouldn't have happened. He kind of did say that. And fat well, We're not going to get into fat shaming, are right, we? Right. I remember that I looked at her, and I must have, and I usually don't have any expression. I'm deadpan, but I must have looked at her like, are you kidding me? Because she glared at me. And I was like, oops. So anyway, yeah. that was it. Yeah, but women should take up as much space as they want to. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Lauren, before we get to another story, uh, was I need to know about Diane here, and who better to ask than her sister? Was Diane always (laughs) very meticulous about detail in in life growing up? Because she's so very factual and punctual and all that in her work. Not at all. (laughs) At all. It was a wild child. That was me. She was what my mother called the wild Bella. That's interesting because I, in the short time that I've worked with you, Diane, I've, I'm so impressed with your ability to recall information and, and document things as well as you do. So now we get the story behind the story. Okay. So there's the lady with the thumb. You had the guardrail lady. Uh, what's this medical malpractice story you wanted to share? MedMal. That's a good one. Yeah. We had a medical malpractice going on and the jury's in the box and the doctor who was being sued was on the stand being questioned. The lawyer questioning him had an apparent heart attack and he collapses on the floor. So everyone's like shocked. And the doctor jumps off the stand and goes to his aid and starts to administer CPR to this guy. So they 
everyone was just shocked. So they removed the um, jury from the courtroom. The lawyer went out to the hospital on a gurney and they had to mistry the case and it was tried at a later time after they picked a new jury because the jury was tainted because the doctor being sued had gone to the aid of the defense, I mean the plaintiff's lawyer. Hmm. That's pretty heroic. All the way around. I had remembered that it was the plaintiff who had the heart attack, but that wasn't right. It was his lawyer. The lawyer. You know what I've noticed? That lawyers get so heated up and so stressed out and they have their clients sitting watching them from the gallery and, you know, the benches in the back of the courtroom. I've seen over the years more go out due to stress or having like a heart in the middle of a proceeding because they get so worked up. So it's not unusual for them to go, well, I've seen it. It doesn't happen all the time, but it's, I've seen it more than two or three times. Mm-hmm. Very lucky, though, that that doctor was where he was, saved the guy's life, even though he was being sued by him. Yeah. And, and if you had seen that in a movie or a TV show, you would say, no way, come on. He just happens to drop down and the doctor who's being sued just happens to jump over and save him. You know what else I've seen? Um, A couple of times I've gone in like to, you know, to start a day of a trial and the court officer said to me, there's no trial. And I said, what happened? And he said, the the defendant was murdered over the weekend. Mm. He had been out on bail and he got murdered. And a couple of times I've seen... um, I know one time we had a guy on the stand and he gave his testimony and a week later he was killed for having given his testimony. I saw that before. That's something you you see in bad crime novels, right? In dime novels, right? Yeah. That was the only time I ever heard of that happening. Lauren, uh, you told me off air that you recently served as a foreman on a jury in perhaps your state out in Arizona. I did. And it was the first time I had actually ever served on a jury. I mean, I've been called for jury duty a number of times, either in California or previously or here, uh, but ended up being selected for this jury. And it it was a sad one. It was a child molestation Mm. case of um, a guy who had molested his girlfriend's daughter when she was 11-ish, something like that. And she was now... 20 something. Uh, and he had also tried it with, uh, or he had done it with, um, another girlfriend's daughter. She actually, she and another woman, early twenties who had been victimized by this guy actually flew in from Texas to testify. Mm. And it was so open and shut. But may I ask, because I served on a jury for the first time about five years ago, to me, it was, and I've talked with Diane about this. To me, it was, one of the most, and I use this word sparingly, awesome responsibilities. I felt extremely sensitized to justice and why it's so important to listen to everything and weigh the evidence. Mine was not as serious a case, but it was a criminal case. Give me your thoughts before we get to Diane again for another great story. I completely agree. Uh, There was no question of anyone making light of the situation. There was no one who was messing around in the the courtroom of, you know, trying to look at a phone or not being attentive, anything. And we had a very, I'm not going to say easygoing judge. I didn't mean that. He was, he was an affable guy when you talked to him uh, off the bench, you know, when he came back to the jury room uh, afterwards. Um, 
and he was very, very um, fair and calm in mm. the court. But the, the worst part of it was not that it sounds weird. It wasn't so much the trial, uh, which went on for across, I want to say, about seven, eight days. It was the 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 voir dire before when they called in people in groups of 60 or so mm. to, to the jury. And they had to say up front, you know, this was a triggering thing, that this was about a child abuse, a child molestation, sexual child abuse. And immediately there were people sitting, you know, in, in the, the audience section of the courtroom who immediately burst into tears immediately, before anything was said because it was so upsetting to them. And as we came to when people had to object, you know, say why they would not, could not serve on the jury, it was astonishing at how many people, both men and women, sexually abused as children or had a family member or one of their kids. Or something. It, it was just appalling at how widespread it was. And this is a random group of people. It's, it's really telling. And Diane, uh, we're taking a bit of a sidestep here to talk about a serious issue. The role of the judge, and you work with some great judges in Massachusetts, so critical beyond simply handing down a ruling. It's really working with the jury to make sure that they understand the ins and outs, because this is really serious stuff. Yes. And, you know, I can just speak to what Lauren just said. I was astonished when I started working there, when we got child molestation cases to pick a jury. The people that are summons for jury duty that day, they come in, a, they call it the jury pool, the Venari. It's just a fancy name for a bunch of people that are called to jury duty. How many people privately, when they speak to the judge prior to being, you know, they're being vetted to see if they're going to be a suitable juror. How many people have had child, like a, they've been a victim mm. or someone close to them has, or they've had some sort of situation when it hasn't really been full blown molestation, but a quirky, crazy a neighbor grabbed them one day as they were driving you know as they were walking by and just touched them Mm. and i i don't know the statistics but the unofficial statistic from what i've seen if you have 80 people in a room probably 35 of them have a story it's a national it's a national issue really is tragedy tragedy Let's move to something a little more fun. I can't believe I'm saying this. A brawl in the courtroom is more fun, but it actually is. <laughs> what What is this story all about? Well, you know what was funny? It wasn't in a criminal courtroom. It was in a civil courtroom. You know, generally speaking, there's not as many uproars in a civil courtroom. Mm. You usually see it on the criminal side of the court. So I'm in this civil courtroom And we're on a morning break, and I'm the only person in the courtroom. The parties to the case walked back in. You know, they kind of ambled back in. They were families. It was two brothers fighting. But they had all their relatives with them, the wives, and there was quite a group of them. All of a sudden, one brother said to the other something to the effect of, it's your fault Ma died. Uh, He said something like, below the belt, like, you didn't visit her or not. Or some crazy. Well, One brother, these people looked in their 60s to me, mid-60s at the time. And one sucker punched the other, and others jumped in. And I'm not kidding you. You know that expression, pig pile? Mm. All you could see, it reminded me of the cartoons. Like, you know how you see on the cartoons, like all the fur flying? 
And I see out of the corner of my eye, the judge come out. She, for a millisecond, like looked and saw that there was something amiss. And she slammed the door and went back into her chambers. And at the time, I did not understand what she was doing. She told me later that she had to not see what was happening because she would have been tainted. And she had to decide the case. And she had, she would have had to recuse herself. So she stepped back into the the um, chambers, I flew like I took like 10 leaps and I ended up in the next courtroom and I rip open the door and there was one court officer sitting in an empty courtroom and I yelled, fight! And he came (laughs) flying and on his radio, I'm not kidding you, that place went from a ghost town to like seven court offices in like seven seconds. I mean, I can't even underscore how efficient and how at the ready these court offices are. They come in, but by that time, it had broken up. But all these men, like their faces were bright red, their ties were off, they were tucking their shirts in. Like you could tell something happened. And the court officers were like, what happened? And no one would speak. After this whole thing was over, the court officers started to walk out of the courtroom and they were bewildered. They were shaking their heads. And the court officer who I had summoned in the next courtroom walked up to me and he curiously said to me, why didn't you hit the duress button? Why did you run into the courtroom to get me? And I looked at him. I was shocked. I said, duress button? What are you talking about? He said, look, he walked up to the clerk's bench. He put his hand underneath and lo and behold, there was a duress button. I was shocked. I had worked in that building for decades and had no idea there was a duress button in each courtroom. I don't know how I didn't get the memo. I mean, it was it, it just escaped me. Such an important thing. An employee for so many years had no idea that button was there. And, you know, the last little story I'd like to share today was something that always made me feel bad. There was a young gentleman that worked in one of the high-rise Boston skyscrapers. And at lunchtime, he had gone out to grab a sandwich. And he was on the sidewalk waiting to cross Congress Street. and a truck came by and the passenger side mirror on the side of the truck hit him and didn't he lose an eye? And he came into court and, you know, he didn't get anything. The truck was one of those ragtag fly-by-night companies, underinsured, and this kid lost his eye. And I always think of him and just how unfair life can be. That was very sad. But these stories come from a whole treasure chest of stories that I'm going to share with you in the future on this podcast. Funny stories, sad stories, and just plain unbelievably crazy, wacky stories. Well, Diane, these stories have been great. Lauren, what do you think of your sister here? She's pretty with it, huh? It is. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, she's, she's putting this stuff out there for people to hear. I mean, we've been hearing it for years. But, you know, there's so many people out there that are doing podcasts or whatever that don't have the access to the real situation in courtrooms. You know, they're essentially observers themselves. You know, the ring of authenticity is here because she's lived it. She sat in those courtrooms and lived this. This is the court reporter version of everything that happened. This is coming from the court reporter. One of the best court reporters I'll add. I'll just toss that in there. And I'm a little biased. Thank you, ladies. This was awesome. Thank you, Jordan. 
Before we close the courtroom door on this podcast, we remind you that All Rise with Diane Godfrey is available on all podcast platforms. We invite you to subscribe, download, rate, and review this podcast. You've been listening to All Rise with Diane Godfrey. True stories from inside the courthouse from the lady who wrote everything down. Case dismissed.